I'm Alexander Price, and you're listening to Machine Elf Radio. The Talmud is at the center of Jewish religion, and yet very few people outside of Judaism ever really get a chance to encounter it. It's not like a novel that you just uh, can pick it up and read through it, although you know certain passages are a lot more straightforward than others. Most of the Talmud consists of uh, the opinions of various rabbis around around the first century of the common era on various halakhic issues which is uh you know the issues of jewish law this week i asked my friend rena to come on and uh do a little of what we call havrusa which is um the 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 way that most most jewish study is done is with a partner uh, where you sit down together and read a text and discuss it between the two of you and i chose a a, a famous episode with two rabbis named Rabbi Yochanan and Resh Lakish. And I thought it just gives a great example of how subtle and how deep the Talmud can be and what the process looks like of sort of unpacking a dense, short, cryptic, weird little passage and opening it up and starting to uh, find some of the beauty and, and wisdom inside of it. And here's a little sample of what it looks like. One day, Rabbi Yochanan was bathing in the Jordan. Reish Lakish saw him and jumped into the Jordan, pursuing him. He said to him, Your strength for Torah. He said to him, Your beauty for women. He said to him, If you return, I will give you my sister, who is more beautiful than I am. He accepted upon himself. He wanted to jump back to bring his clothes, but he was then able to return. He taught him Bible and taught him Mishnah and turned him into a great man. One day, um, in the study hall, they were engaging in a dispute. The sword, the knife, the dagger, the spear, the hand sickle, and a harvest sickle. Um, for, from when are they susceptible to ritual impurity? From the time of the completion of their manufacture. And when is the completion of their manufacture? Rabbi Yochanan says, from when one fires in the furnace. Reish Lakish said, from when one scours them in water. He said to him, a bandit knows about banditry. He said to him, what benefit did you provide me? There, they called me leader. Here, they call me a leader. He said to him, I provided benefit to you as I brought you close under the wings of the divine presence. Rabbi Yochanan was offended. Reish Lakish fell ill. His sister came crying. Uh, she said to him, do for the sake of my children. He said to her, um, leave your fatherless children. I will rear them. Jeremiah 49, 11. Um, do for the sake of my widowhood. He said to her, um, let your widows trust me, which is the continuation of the same verse from Jeremiah. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish died. Rabbi Yochanan was sorely pained over him. Rabbi, the rabbi said, who will go to calm his mind? Let Rabbi Elazar ben Pedat go, as his statements are sharp. He went and sat before him. Every matter that Rabbi Yochanan would say, he said to him, it is taught in a baraita that supports you. He said to him, are you like the son of Lakish? The son of Lakish, when I would state a matter, he would raise 24 difficulties against me, and I would answer him with 24 answers, and the halakha by itself would become broadened. And you say, it's taught in a baraita that supports you. Do I not know that what I say is good? He went around, rending his clothing, weeping and saying, where are you, son of Lakish? Where are you, son of Lakish? Screamed until his mind was taken from him. The rabbis pr requested mercy on him, and he died. So, so what is what is this about? Do you have uh, any uh, uh, theories? 
I don't think it's about any one thing. I think it's yeah. about several different things all at once. Yeah. I mean, it's about the relationship between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's it's sort of the history of their relationship, right? It starts with them meeting and ends with them both dying. Yeah. And it's sort of trying to characterize sort of the nature of that relationship. So do um, we know anything else about their characters? I do not know that much more about Rish Lakish. I mean... The implication from the beginning of the story is like he's a bandit. Uh huh. So before he became uh, a before he became a rabbi, before he became uh, uh, observant in any way, he was uh, a, a thief on the road. Yeah. Complete complete outlaw. Um, uh huh. And so the story. So, but Rabbi Yochanan, I think Rabbi Yochanan gets quoted in a lot of places. I don't really remember if there's anything particular associated with him. But the the passage immediately preceding this story is. T- is sort of all talking about how beautiful Rabbi Yochanan is. Okay. Rabbi Yochanan said, I alone remain of the beautiful people of Jerusalem. One who wishes to see the beauty of Rabbi Yochanan should bring a shiny silver goblet from the smithy and fill it with red pomegranate seeds and place a diadem of red roses upon the lip and position it between the sunlight and the shade. That luster is a semblance of Rabbi Yochanan's beauty. Mm. So, yeah, like... So, and and when is when is this conversation happening? When is this encounter in the Jordan River happening? Dude, I don't know. Oh, okay. Like, but I mean, like, he's saying he's the last one from Jerusalem. Is this before the destruction of the temple? Oh, I actually have no idea. I think... Um, I, I was reading that as just sort of, like, metaphorical like not that he's literally from oh, jerusalem that yeah it's, but I, I don't actually know i have uh we could look it up do you want to look it up sure why not okay i think it's this would be yohanan bar napaha sounds right oh okay so so this this being wikipedia is saying that his father was a blacksmith, which is interesting in light of the discussion that we get later on um, with them talking about, like, the forging of implements. Like, because he, he makes this dig at Rach Lockheed, and is like, oh, Bandit knows the tools of his trade, but, like, he's the son of a blacksmith. He, he also has reason to be familiar with the process of creating metal implements. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's significant. Well, another comment I'm looking at is saying, the suggesting that when Rish Lakish sees him in the river, he mistakes him for a woman because he's so beautiful. Yeah, I think I, I've, I've read interpretations that sort of look at it that way where it's, yeah, that's a decent reading. Um, it says, it starts off, one day Rabbi Yochanan was swimming in the Jordan. Rish Lakish saw him and leapt into the Jordan after him. So, like, it doesn't really explain why he leapt in, but that's a, a, a reasonable way of understanding. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah. Like, oh, hey, hot lady bathing, right? Right. And so this is when he's yeah. still, this is when he's still abandoned. He's not a, a, a scholar of Talmud or, or, or a scholar of Torah yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so and so Rabbi Yochanan, who is the beautiful one who was who the the bandit mistook for a uh, woman, he says he says to him, "Your strength for, is your strength for the Torah." So, like some some uh, translations that I was looking at were saying were translating as like your strength should be for Torah, and then the response yeah. the response of Rachel Lakish, your beauty for women, like is your beauty should be for women. Yeah, and I, I've heard like that read either as like 
oh, you're so beautiful, you should be, like, sharing this with the ladies, versus, oh, you're so beautiful, you really ought to be a woman, because this beauty is wasted on a dude. Um, and, but, so, what is what does that imply for your strength should be for the Torah, that, like, instead of uh, using your power to rob people, you should be using your power to to study, to study Torah. To yeah. Study Torah. Okay. That's, yeah. That, that's that's what they're. I mean, I think that that's that's the clearer one. I think because there's not really multiple ways to read the four, right? Mm-hmm. The that he clearly wants Rach Lockheed to use his strength to the aim of Torah study, whereas your beauty for women is a little more ambiguous. I think. Yeah. Like instinctively, like it kind of comes like coming in like as a response, it kind of sounds defensive. Like your strength should be for Torah. He's like, oh well, you should be like a girl. You're so pretty. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a, that's an interesting dynamic though. That that kind of like the gender roles that are at play there. That that uh, yeah. That, that he that he's he's you know applying uh, implying that he's. Uh, feminine and i don't know yeah. like at a lower level of of the social hierarchy because he's so beautiful oh well, and and just, i don't even know if it's again that that's the reading like your beauty is like you should be a woman you're so pretty yeah um like the other reading which maybe is a better parallel um to your strength for torah is your beauty should be used for courting women oh i see just as your strength should be used in the pursuit of torah your beauty should be used in the pursuit of wis- of women. Rather than wasting all your time in the uh, yeshiva studying Torah. Yeah. Well, and one thing, I guess, I don't know if this is this is relevant or jumping ahead, but, like, we saw fire and water yeah. coming up later, and that kind of makes me think of that kind of masculine-feminine dynamic also. Really? Mm-hmm. Which one would you... I, I like, wouldn't know which one to associate with which. I mean, like, I'm just talk- talking, like, purely out of instinct. I would associate, yeah. I would associate the, uh, uh, the fire with masculinity and the water with femininity. Yeah, I think, like, if I had to think about it for a second, like, that's what I would go with. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like a clear connection to me. Like, I, I wouldn't, I was actually seeing the connection more as, so Rabbi Yochanan saying it's fire and Rish Lakish saying it's when it's in water, so that, it's almost like Ra- Rish Lakish is the sword in this example. That right. he's saying, look, no, you should just count my life from when I jumped into that river and was, like, doused in water and decided to become a tourist scholar. Like, don't hold my earlier past against me. Yeah. Like, just as you wouldn't consider impurity from before the sword was doused in water, you should not consider Rish Lakish's misbehavior from before he jumped in the river. But... With that analogy, there's not any clear counterpart to the fire because nobody's jumping in a fire. I mean, and and then like, then my next my next association is the, like if the, the we're opening up talking about strength and beauty, you know, th- then that makes me think about um, issues of judgment and mercy, uh, which definitely mm-hmm. which definitely is at play in the uh, what you were just talking about about uh, uh, being judged on behavior prior to I guess mm-hmm. his conversion experience yeah. or his his acceptance of the Torah yeah so he jumps in the river after him what is it what is the significance of him being in the Jordan River in the first place um I don't know if there's any yeah I don't know if I want to read any significance into the fact that it's like the Jordan River uh-huh. so Yochanan lives in Eretz Israel. Okay. And Reish Lakish is from Basra. 
So it it could be like sort of a given their respective points of origin. It could be sort of you know Rach Lockish is coming from the east and uh, Yokanana is coming from the west. I see, and they meet at the river. Yeah. So they have this uh, uh, meeting in the river, uh, mm-hmm. and they talk about their relative strength and beauty. Yep. And the outcome is Rabbi Yochanan says, "If you return, also I will uh, also if you return to, to Israel." Is that, is that if you return where? Um, I think so. The the translation I'm looking at is like if you return. Um, here here the translation explain expands that to if you return to the pursuit of Torah. I see. But like returning is also like has pretty strong associations. I think of teshuva, right? Right, repentance, turning back to God. Yeah. From being a bandit. From abandoning it, I don't know. No, from being like a thief. Oh, yeah, yeah, Abandoned. Sorry, I heard abandoned. Yeah, no. Yeah, being a bandit. So, so he offers, he says, if you will turn back or, or come back, I will give you my sister who is more beautiful than me. Yeah. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. It's <laughs> <laughs> women have any say in marriage. Um... They're just going to go back home. He's going to be like, guess what? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. You're going to marry this guy who I met but, at the river. Yeah, he's a, a thief. And, uh, I mean, I'm wondering how much this is like a, a motif in, in older texts that you have sort of like this sort of like intense bond between two men. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and it winds up getting expressed by one of them marrying the other's sister. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. That, uh, that is something I feel like I've heard quite a bit. So then Resh Lakish accepts, and he says, he uh, the translation I'm looking at said he tried, he, like, Resh Lakish tried to go back and collect, collect his weapons, but he was not able to go back. And you translated the word differently than, like, I think you said tools instead of weapons. Oh, sorry. Clothes. Clothes. So, so what is the word that they're that we're looking at? That you have it translated as clothing, and I have it translated as weapons. So, I I think the word we want is ma'anie. Oh, okay. Vessel, utensil, gar or garment. Okay. So it that that's why it's getting translated as both. It's like a really vague term. That it sounds like it could mean. So it could. Following the train of utensil, it could be his weapons. Uh-huh. Um, but following the train of garment, it could be his clothing. Well, and I guess it makes a big difference if, like, he's asking him to turn away from uh, the lifestyle of uh, of banditry that he was living living before, and he tries to, and he, he asks him to turn back, and in the next line, it says that he can't, yeah. he wants to go back and get his tools, like, meaning his... Uh, tools of banditry but he couldn't yeah well something that i so here it just says like the the translation i'm looking at which is the the one on safari is like sort of ex- expands that to he was unable to, to return as he had lost his physical strength as soon as he accepted the responsibility to study Torah upon himself so like he doesn't have the strength to climb out of the river because, which is interesting in the, converse, in the conversation they were just having about his strength, that that yeah. they were saying it should the be for Torah. The strength should be for Torah, and so I guess now that he's pledged his strength for Torah, he no longer has it yeah. for physical. Um, well, but it's, it's also... interesting. Well, the, the the pairing is also is like if you return, but he was unable to return. 
Like, it's the same word being used there yeah. in both places in the Hebrew. It's Hadar. Yeah. But it's also interesting that, like, the way that you had uh, originally, like, portrayed their movement, they were coming to the river from different sides of it. So, like, it's almost like Reshlakish went halfway into the river and he couldn't go back to the side that he had come from. He had to continue into Israel, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting, yes. Yeah, I like that. So Yochanan taught him scripture and uh, an oral Torah, and he made him a great man. One day, they, it says, my translation says they diverged in the Beit Midrash, meaning I guess they had an, a disagreement. Yeah, here, my version says they were engaging in a dispute. Uh-huh. And this dispute is, quote, the sword and the knife and the military spear and the hand sickle and the harvesting sickle. From when do they acquire tuma, like meaning impurity, uh, that they're not kosher anymore? They, from the time when their production is complete is the the first one's answer. No, mm-hmm. or, or is that everyone's answer? No, no, no. Sorry. So the, I think they're the the statement that they're looking at says uh-huh. when do it they when are they susceptible to ritual impurity from when they are finished being manufactured? Right. And then so what they're what I think they're arguing over is, oh, it's in the next line. And when is the completion of their manufacturer? So this is like what they're working from. And then they're trying to resolve what exactly is meant by the time of completion of their manufacturer. Like, Which is, is also interesting in the in context of the previous line that said, well, I guess a couple, just, just before this, it says that he had taught him scripture and made him a, a great man. Uh, like, is is that the is that the point? Like once he was done learning Torah and had become a great man, is that the point where uh, uh, you know he's responsible for um, what, whatever is the human equivalent of of Tuma? I don't think so. Um, you think it's from the moment he accepted? I don't know. Torah I, the, the the strongest connection I'm seeing is like scouring and water and the scene in the river. Oh, okay. So that's important to note that usually a sword and a knife and a military spear and a hand sickle, like usually they would become kosher in the first place by being immersed in living waters. Like in, no, it's not how they become kosher in the first place. It's the fact that they don't, they aren't, I think it's that they aren't a knife or a spear or whatever until, right? Like it's not that, that, that this purifies the process of creation, like purifies them. It's that they don't have an existence to be, made impure before this. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. like a sword isn't a sword and a knife isn't a knife until right. they're done being made. Yeah. So they, they can't become ritually impure until after they've finished being made. And then the question is, when are they finished being made? Right. And Rabbi Yochanan says, from when they're tempered in the furnace. And Resh Lakish mm-hmm. says, from when they're polished with water. Yeah. So the two different stages of the blacksmithing process, which I know fairly little about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I believe the fire comes first, like you heat it up in the fire and then you quench it in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. And so Rabbi Yochanan responds to Resh Lachish, a thief knows about the tools of thievery. Which seems like 
way uncalled for to me. It's like, dude, you guys were having, like, a normal, like, difference of opinion. You have to, like, suddenly make it all about how he used to be abandoned. Like, it escalated really fast. It's like, like, you know, you're having, like, a fairly, like, technical... Civil And also, this seems like a super everyday discussion, too. Like, like, they could have picked, like, just about anything to be discussing, right? Yeah. (laughs) And, like... But somehow it's like, nope, nope, I'm going to call you a bandit over there. like, oh, like, well, you used to be a thief, so <laughs> so you should know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, but then, like, so what Resh Lakish responds is, and how have you benefited me? Is that, is that, what, what is your yeah. translation? Like, so, so. Yeah, what benefit did you provide me? Yeah. They called me master, and here they call me master. So what what's that about? Why is he pointing out, why is he asking, like, you know, what did you do for me? Yeah, well, I think it's, it seems to be a little bit about status, right? Uh-huh. That, um, that here they are, like, essentially peers, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Rabbi Yochanan's, like, basically holding up his past and say, like, you were nothing, you were a bandit, and I, you know, you know, I, I'm your teacher, I, I raised you up to where you are now, mm-hmm. and don't you forget, like, your humble origins that I raised you up out of. All right, so like he's just like, humble origins, what humble origins? Like, I am a leader here, and I was a leader then, and I am good at this shit, and like... I was leader of... I was you don't need to undermine me like that. I was leader of yes. bandits, and now I'm leader of uh, uh, Torah scholars, but both, either way... Like, clearly I'm just a born leader. I was a... Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and so uh, Rabbi Yechman responds, I have benefited you by bringing you under the wings of the Shekhinah. That's what my translation says. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, mine's basically the same. It translate. It like writes out Shekhinah as like divine presence. But yeah. Okay, yeah. It's like almost, I mean, on one hand, like he totally does have a point, right? That teaching someone, and there, there are other passages to the fact that like teaching someone even a little bit of Torah is considered to be of extreme benefit to them, like, you should revere as your teacher anybody who taught you, like, even the smallest bit of Torah, like, like, and it is an incredible boon to one's life and soul and everything. Um, So, like, on that level, he has a point, like, being a Torah scholar is not the same as being a bandit, and, like, great. But he really is rubbing, rubbing Rach Lakish's nose in a, in the... You used to be lonely, and by the grace of me, you have been elevated. Um, but at the same time, there's something going on. Like, isn't the Shekhinah associated with, like, God's beauty? Um, uh, I didn't necessarily think of it in those terms. Because um, I'm just thinking back to the beginning about uh, the beauty. I don't versus, know. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be, like, anything about beauty and, like, the rest of this. Well, I was actually just wondering what happened with the sister because we didn't hear about her again, but I think she's about to Well, come no, up. she's in the next she's in the next paragraph. Yeah. So so what the, the outcome of this argument was that Rabbi Yochanan became very upset and Rishlakish became very weak, which is interesting because Rishlakish was the one who's been talked about as being very strong this whole time. Yeah. So the outcome um, of the... my translation says like uh-huh. um fell ill. Fell ill. Okay. Yeah. But the implication is, like, Yochanan is, like, so upset, he basically curses Reish Lakish. Uh-huh. And, and that has power. Yeah. So... Uh, that's when his sister, who is married to Reish Lakish, comes and says, like, don't kill my husband. 
Yes, she's talking to Yokanan, her brother, and saying, please don't kill him, but pray don't for him. Don't make my children orphans, don't make me a widow. Mm-hmm. And he, like, comes up with this super dismissive response, which is like, ugh, well, we all know that God killers for widows and orphans, so just, like, sure, enjoy your widowhood. He said to her, leave your orphans, I will sustain them and put your widow's trust in me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, oh, what's so bad about being a widow and an orphan? Like, no big deal. Well, and then the next uh, thing we hear, the outcome is that Resh Lakish died, and Rabbi yeah. Yochanan grieved over him greatly. Yeah, yeah. So, so Rabbi Yochanan is, like, super dismissive while he's alive, but then, like, as soon as he dies, he's like, oh, no, I miss him so much. And then the rabbis say, who should we send to ease his mind? Let us send Rabbi Eliezer, uh, let us send Rabbi Eleazar ben Pedat, whose ideas are very sharp. Yeah. So this, like, the sharpness of his ideas kind of echoes back to the conversation that they were having about the knife. So what do you make of the, what do you make of the sharpness of his ideas? Like, and, and what is that remarking on what the, the debate was about, about the knife? Oh, I was wondering if it had anything to do with the knife, but I don't, I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch. I think it makes more sense just sort of in the context of what happens, that what, what Yo- Rabbi Yochanan is really looking for is someone to argue with, like he argued with Reish Lakish. Right. And so they want, uh, like, someone who's, like, sharp and, like, good at arguing. Yeah. Yeah. But in what... I, I don't know. I... I can see it maybe being a connection to the sharp implements, but that seems like a bit of a stretch. I, like, I don't know what that would be coming to teach. It, I think that, like, uh, I mean, what what uh, what I'm feeling about it is that the sharpness of the uh, of his mind is um, it, it goes back to the original conversation about your strength should be for. Torah, and he tried to go back and get his weapons or his tools, but he couldn't. And so it's like the the uh, um, his power, his strength, uh, instead of being used for banditry, was being used for Torah. And so, like n- now, there's this this like theme coming up again about the sharpness of the mind and uh, yeah. uh, um, uh, using it for 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 good rather than f- for harming people. I guess. I guess. Yeah. 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 No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so what's important is that this guy that they send to be his Kavrusa uh isn't uh, like he's just like uh he doesn't fight with him. He just um he's just like, "Oh, everything you're saying is so smart." And he's like, "Yeah, I know. I want you to fight yeah. with, I want you to fight with me." <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to tell me I'm I'm smart. Yeah. And so the mm-hmm. outcome is that uh he goes mad and dies also. Yeah. Not a happy story. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the thing that, that bothers me about this is just, like, Rabbi Yochanan seems to just start being a dick for no reason. And, like, like they clearly have a, a productively contentious relationship, yeah. right? And then at a certain point, Rish... Rabbi Yochanan's like, nope, I'm gonna insult you, and then when our argument escalates, I'm gonna... Curse you. Curse you and completely disregard, like, my sister's pleas for mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, because I would have associated the um, the mercy with Rabbi Yochanan, who was supposed to be so beautiful from his study of Torah, and, like, 
the excessiveness of judgment I would have associated with Rush Lakish, who was so, um, uh, you know, he was an outlaw and he was, uh, um, associated with, you know, strength or, yeah, um, you know, that kind of Gavura. Yeah. I think we might, that might be like overly essentializing sort of gender roles, which I like, cause I'm not sure if those same sort of gendered associations necessarily exist in this. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of, the, one of the points, I think, is, you know, how much Rabbi Yochanan needed someone to, like, play the part of his adversary, but it's not, like, an actual adversary. It's, it's uh, you know, I think I think it's something that's, that's uh, very Like much... the dude in, like, all of Plato's oh my God. dialogues who, like, asks all the questions to set Plato up, uh, like, or Socrates, yeah, yeah. right? Because it's, like, always Socrates and some dude, right? Who asked all these questions that set Socrates up to be like, oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Let me expound on this. And then the interlocutor says, oh, Socrates, you are so wise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's a, yeah, like, because he wants something, on a certain way, in a certain sense, he wants somebody who will rise to his level, mm-hmm. um, who, like, will challenge him. Yeah. But he doesn't want someone who's... It's still not an equal relationship. No. Um, Rabbi Yochanan expounds the wisdom. Rish Lakis raises the challenge. Rabbi Yochanan expounds more and resolves the issue. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Ra- Rabbi Yochanan always has the last word. Yeah. And the first word. Do you, do you think that there's, like, an element of, like, Rish Lakish was, you know, helping him keep his weapon sharp? Okay, now that's so dirty, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's, maybe there's that, too, but I didn't mean that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Namah Shivaya.